When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch in the fuck out of shit. Binge boys coming in hot. What's going on, everybody? I'm Hal Rudnick, and across from me is uh the Joe Rogan of the streaming world, Lon yeah. Harris. Yeah, we're going to have a, it's a hot show today, folks. A hot show <laughs> full of hot takes about vaccines. Did you see? I got to, I got to, you mentioned, you mentioned Mr. Rogan. I don't want to yes, get, listen, yes. we don't have to get into the whole thing. Uh, feel free. Uh, there was an article today. He did like a set at the comedy store or something last night. And so, of course, everything he says is news now. So Hollywood Reporter had somebody there. Like, here's what Joe Rogan said. It is set. And it was like. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just some idiot. I, 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 I'm not trying to tell you not to get a vaccine. It's just a joke. I'm just goofing. And it, it's so funny because that's so tonally different from the show. I mean, you can even watch those little clips of the show and it's like yeah. so deadly serious. It's like ivermectin is the only, like if you're taking that vaccine, I know you're taking your life in your own hands. And it's like this very grave and he's very stern. And it's like Jordan Peterson sitting here like, we're fi- we're on the intellectual dark web figuring this out. Oh. And then he's on stage like, ah, just a bit. Me and Joey Coco Diaz hanging out. You know what's funny? Like I've been uh, talking about him and like I've tweeted a couple of things. And then I've had several people respond, not aware that he was a quote unquote comedian, which if you're, you know, if you're our age, you've seen Joe Rogan all over the place over the course of his career and you know he's a comedian, but there's a lot of people who just know him as this MMA broadcaster and podcaster and don't realize that dude is, dude has been doing comedy for a long time. And he actually- This is his fourth act. He was a comedian and then he was an actor on news radio and mm-hmm. then he had, and then he he was back with the, you know, he was the Fear Factor host, so his reality yes. TV personality. And then, oh, so it's five. Then he was the MMA guy, the UFC commentator, and then the podcast. So it's like, like the guy's done a little bit of everything in the world of being a meathead. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and but every before of the meathead verse. Absolutely, but before being an on ramp to the alt right, he was like. I don't know. I I liked him, you know, and oh, sure. I, and I there mean, was that I, time when he chat when he and Ari Shafir challenged Carlos Mencia right, on stage. I mm-hmm. Yeah, that like that that's a dope clip. Like if you check that out, I'm like, damn, more people should call out joke stealers and like stand up like that. And but yeah, now he is like, ooh boy, uh, his pulp his pulpit, the power of his pulpit. I feel like is really overtaken him. I feel I feel conflicted because personally, like I still do have a lot of positive. I loved news radio. I used to yes. watch Fear Factor. I, I was a yeah. fan of his comedy. Like I, I had, like people assume I like loathe him because I've been tweeting about this. Like I, I have mostly positive associations with Joe Rogan. It's purely like he took this weird turn 
And, yeah. and honestly, mostly in terms of the vaccines, like I didn't listen to the show enough to even really be aware of some of the other stuff he was doing. It's just like, I don't know why he wants to spread health misinformation. Just just don't. It just seems to me like the easy answer would be just stop doing that. And then this goes away. Yeah. Also, um, it's kind of a shame that like you uh, are like in your 50s when you realize, oh, maybe I shouldn't uh, just liberally use the N word. <laughs> right. Yeah. He's He talks about it like, oh, I was just a kid and I made some mistakes. It's like. This was a few years ago, and you are older than me, sir. Like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, These are not recordings from the 30s. I don't know. This is not the Dust Bowl era. This was like 2017. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But no, but I feel similarly to you. Like, if I'm pirating a UFC fight, I'm, I enjoy his commentary, and uh, he's, yeah. he's, he's not unfunny. But then, if anyone yeah, is going to put a scorpion on a lady and tell her fear is not a factor from for her. I want it to be Joe Rogan. Oh yeah, I liked him turning up in the Chappelle show back in the day. Yeah, no, right. It, it, that's and I've tried to say this on Twitter too like I've been I've been coming down hard on him because I don't like people saying racial slurs and, and spreading health misinformation, but it's certainly not personal about Joe Rogan, the guy. He seems like a fine guy. I don't uh, before now. Listen, if you want to go full alpha, that's that's you. Me, I'm a I, I'm a sigma male. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so, no, that's not. You're not. You, oh yeah, no. I think you're, you're probably gamma. misusing what's, that. What's term. further? What's in the middle? Somewhere in the middle. Oh, I'm an omega male. <laughs> <laughs> an omicron male. Lon, we've really discussed some of the big topics of the day. Now I think let's we've move done it. To... I think we've we've taken on the hottest button there is. Right? What's left to do? Uh, talk about some streaming news. Da, da, there you da, go. Da, da, what a segue. Da, the, the news with Lon. That's why. That's why House uh, House Pro. What a segue. Oscar nominations <laughs> were announced this week. It was just yesterday. Oh, the most as glamorous of... night in Hollywood. Everyone will be there. Bob Newhart, Lucille Ball. <laughs> yeah. Hollywood's most glamorous 5:15 a.m. press conference. <laughs> the most glamorous waking up at the crack of dawn of the year uh, for yeah, people that who is don't early. know who did not learn how to pronounce literally any of the names they have to read off of the card. Oh, yeah. I think, I think one thing now that the Academy has opened its doors to a lot of new members, taken on a lot of international membership, yes. diversified, it's all great. It is leading to interesting nominees, more diverse nominees. I think no one would argue that the field of nominees is not more interesting and diverse and better represents all of the different kinds of films that are out there mm -hmm. now than a few years ago. But having done all of that great work, they should also prepare the people who are going to read the nominees for the fact that they're going to have to pronounce some international names. Like, Yeah, maybe it, maybe it ain't got to be a cold read. Huh? Yeah, well, right. It's like, I, obviously, <laughs> they, they may, they're they announcing it, so they may not know everybody. But, like, there was a pretty good chance you might have to say, you know, Ryusuke Hamaguchi. Take a look at it beforehand. Yeah, and, and we, and, uh, you know, it, it's not, probably not everyone has seen Drive My Car. Uh, Ryusuke, Ryusuke Hamaguchi. See, I didn't, I didn't do it either. See, I don't even know. I, I would, I would say it and then apologize for potential mispronunciation. I would cover all bases. And listen, if you are randomly like you didn't know, you didn't have time to prepare. You're just saying a name. I think being like, look, I mispronounced this. I apologize. I think that that's yeah. reasonable enough. I don't think yes. you should be, you know, 
hold, hold down to the Hague for this. But if you're, <laughs> if you know it's coming, you know, like if you, if you are in a situation where it's like, I better look at the names of the 20 or 30 directors who are yeah. in the mix and make sure well, I know how to say Denis Villeneuve or Villeneuve or however it is. <laughs> I'm, I'm realizing I don't know how to say these names either. I think it's Villeneuve. Uh, yeah, that sounds almo- right. Almost like Villeneuve. Uh, but Ooh. like maybe they could j- j- just like when they announce it, act surprised. But here's the list. Here's how you say these names, okay? Or maybe right. go over ten possibilities. Something. Something. I th- I feel like it's and now that we realize this is going to be a thing every year. There's going to be at least a few names every year that might be unfamiliar to the average person. You should just familiarize yourself. It's, it's not yeah, that, you it's don't not have, you don't have to go up there like the substitute teacher in the Key and Peele sketch. And, right, uh, a-, a Ron, exactly. And I yeah, and listen, exactly. I, this may sound like I'm coming down on Tracy Ellis Ross and Leslie Jones who read the nominations, and I'm not. It's not their fault. This happens every year. It happens literally every year. So sometimes it happens on stage. Oh, it definitely happens on stage. Oh yeah, I mean Adele Dazim. Who could forget? And Nadina Menzel's not even oh, yeah. a difficult name. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> it's the best like l- let's let's all get together and figure out a master plan for pronunciation. Thank you. I don't think that's so hard. Anyway, Oscar nominations were announced this week. Netflix's Power of the Dog led the way with twelve nominations, mm. including Best Picture, Best Director for Jane Campion, and acting nods for all four leads: Benedict Cumberbatch, Kirsten Dunst, Jesse Plemons, and Cody Smith McPhee. We have two married couples who are both nominated for acting awards this year: Kirsten Dunst and wow, Jesse Plemons. Wow, Plemons and Dunst for the same movie. In this case, Power of the Dog. Do you can you name the other one? Alan? Oh, absolutely. It's uh, s- scrolling through my brain, mm-hmm. scrolling. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, uh, Cody Smith McPhee and Denzel Washington. Great, great guess. They are. They're a couple. They're not married yet. They're. Oh. They're still. I think they're. I think they're talking about moving in together. Gotcha. Uh, but no, it's Penelope Cruz and Javier Bardem. Penelope Cruz oh. nominated for Parallel Mothers. It's Javier it's Bardem it's it's up it's for being the Ricardos. That has actually happened a surprising amount of time where where a married couple, both partners, are nominated in the same year. There's a few. There are a few, like... Probably uh, Catherine Hepburn and Spencer Tracy. Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor was one. I actually, yeah, uh, I, I looked up a list. There are, there are a few. But anyway, that's that's an interesting oh, sort of aside. Uh, I, I had one very witty thing I wanted to say, Lon. Please. I have a very... I'm preparing you, uh, um, like, uh, hold your guts because you're about to bust them with this extremely witty witticism I'm about to say. Here we go. I'm ready. Jane Campion... So many Oscar nominations for her film. She needs to change her name to Jane Champion of movie making things. Jane Champion is more Folks, like it. You're listening to the final binge, boys. We're saying our goodbyes. I'm, I'm applauding myself. Ten years I'm of applauding. binge, boys. What a ride it's been. Oh, boy. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of Jane Champion, that's all I'm going to call her now. That's it. That's her new name. Uh, She previously won for Best Directing for the uh, film The Piano in 1993. So this, if she wins this year for The Power of the Dog, she would become the first woman in history to win Best Director multiple times. It's never happened before. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Very first one. Uh, other other notable nominations in the world of streaming. Apple scored its very first Best Picture nod ever for Coda, 
as well. Uh, Denzel Washington picked up an acting nomination for Apple's The Tragedy of Macbeth. That is his 10th. Uh-huh. That's his 10th acting nomination, making him the most nominated black actor in Oscar history. Now, do you know who held the record that Denzel just broke? Was it uh, the late, great Sidney Poitier? It's a good guess, but no, it was Denzel Washington. So he's at this point, oh. he's he's breaking his that, own record. That was records. a trick question. That he's was a ready, trick yes. question. He, he was already, and he's got an 11th nomination because he produced uh, Fences, which was nominated for Best Picture a few years back, but it's not an acting nomination. That's a producing May nomination. May I regale you with one of more of my signature witticisms? Sure. Yeah, okay. Sometimes you take a bite out of the apple, but Apple is trying to take a bite of Oscar gold. (laughs) I'm Gene Shalit, and we're watching the movies. Four decades of binge boys. We're just pulling up our best ever. (laughs) This is really the highlight reel. You know, we're, we're taking a victory lap. After 40 years of binge boys, Hal's greatest moments... Feel free while you're listening, whether you're like on a train or driving to work or walking the dog, feel free to stop and applaud it in spirit. You're sending good energy into the universe. Yes. If you're if you're on a train right now, if you're riding the rails, if you're a hobo, if you're commuting from Connecticut to yeah. New York for your job uh, on uh, on Wall Street, yeah, I think if you take a take take that uh, little bit of gin out of your hobo bindle that you've been saving for a special occasion and give it a swig in honor of house puns. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, other best picture nominees that I haven't mentioned yet: Belfast, Don't Look Up, Drive My Car, Dune, King Richard, Licorice Pizza. You hated Don't Look Up. I did not like Don't Look Up. I, I I was not a big fan. It also got a screenplay nomination that it really doesn't deserve. Just like it's it's just it doesn't belong. You know, like I, I, I don't yeah. think it's I don't think it's among the quality of these other films. A lot of people are upset about Belfast, and I thought Belfast was way better. Oh sure, I I mean I thought Don't Look Up was. A- a fun trifle. I enjoyed it uh, much more than you did, but I agree with you. I don't think it's Oscar worthy. I think I saw, it's a little I too saw, uneven. I saw a guy review it this week and he was like, this is the best film of the year. Sure, a lot of the jokes don't work and don't play and it's not very <laughs> funny, but, and it's like, so it's just, it's getting, I'll tell you what what, what happened. And, and Adam McKay encouraged this, is it's getting like yeah. bonus points for being like, quote unquote, important, but I think that's bullshit. I don't think it's doing anything. I don't think it's doing a lick of good. I think it made a lot of people feel smug and self-satisfied about what they already Mm. believed and what they were already doing and what they already thought. I don't think one person is changing their behavior or their attitude about climate change because of this movie. I think it just reinforces what everybody already thought. And it's like a, you know, smugly self-satisfied exercise in patting himself on the back. And so I don't think it's important. I don't think we should honor it just because it's about climate change. There's plenty of movies that are about climate change that are better. Disagree. I watched this movie and I stopped throwing car batteries into the ocean. Oh, well, there you go. That's, why were you doing that? Why did you have so many car batteries? How many car batteries does one person go through? I got a guy down at the junkyard, and that was my workout of choice. Some people like to do the Stairmaster. I like to take my arm and just do like an Olympic hammer throw of a heavy car battery into the ocean. You are using these batteries to interrogate people. These are for attaching to someone's testicles and asking them questions. I I, I know. 
as a crime boss, as a crime you boss, know too this much. is your favorite interrogation technique. You dirty bastard, you know too much. <laughs> and then that to get rid of the evidence, that's why you throw the battery into the ocean. I think we can all put together what's happening here. No comment. Uh, one more thing I want to add before we, we wrap up Oscar talk. Uh, two of the big nominees this year, Spencer, which is nominated for Kristen Stewart's lead performance, and Flea, the first film in history to be nominated for both Best Animated Feature, Best Animated Feature, Best Animated Feature, Best International Feature, and Best Documentary Feature, all in one. Uh, they're both mm -hmm. on Hulu now. They went up on Hulu just yesterday, so check those oh, out rad. this week. Spencer and Flea. Both, both Oscar-dominated, and the awards I'm, themselves are going to air live on ABC on March 27th. But the, right, yes. right now, as far as, as has been announced, there's no plans to stream the Oscars live. They're going to air on TV on ABC. But earlier this week, Disney Plus did live stream the nominations announcement that we were talking about with Tracy Ellis Ross okay. and Leslie Jones. They said it was just as a test of their live streaming capabilities or whatever, but it has led to some speculation that there may be plans to just live stream the Oscars. There's going to be a host just uh, this, uh, this year. There is going to be a host, but we have not had an announcement on who it will be yet. Right, as, uh, well, hopefully it's better than that god-awful Steven Soderbergh abomination at the at the train station last year. Well, there was, that, that did not have a host, so obviously it's gonna be different from that because there's no host. Well, just hopefully it's better because that was just a rudderless ship. That was a depressing Oscars. I mean, it was like, you know, they didn't know what to do. Remember how it, it was like early, like, it, you know, it was just like, I don't know. I've like, never been so happy to see Lil Rel Howery in my life. <laughs> yeah, like they, they knew they had to do something because it wasn't like total oh. lockdown anymore. But I, I don't know. I, I agree with you that it was a not 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 the Oscars at its best. But I also feel like ah, you got to give them a pass. I'm like, well, give them a bye. What, what can you do? There was a bit with Glenn Close shaking her booty. Like, ah, what more can you read? Really that was ask? fun. There were a couple of fun moments, but it, you know, I don't want to go too far down the road. But yeah, like, I wanted, there were none of those moments where it's like, oh, Maya Rudolph and Kristen Wiig coming out and like, you know, hamming it up and having some fun. Yeah. You wanted more Jane Campion puns. I know that's what you're oh, like. Oh, boy. I've only heard Ooh. four Campion puns so far. All right. So that's our Oscar. Any other Oscar stuff you wanted that you saw that you were intrigued by? You wanted to talk about did you do you pay attention do you care about the oscars Al? oh i absolutely i watch it every year no i'm i'm excited i'm glad to see i think the lost daughter could have been nominated i think it was better than several of the films that were nominated jesse buckley did pull that supporting actress nod that a lot of people did not think she would get very happy to see her and olivia coleman nominated because those performance those are two of the best performances of the year like the, just the inner lives like jesse buckley especially uh like you know she just like she crushed acting <laughs> in that movie. Like I, this is one of my two fit, like a movie with like two performances like that. Like it just takes me back to, I don't know. I, I really like the film, Paul Thomas Anderson film, The Master, because um, mm -hmm. yes. of those two central performances with Joaquin Phoenix and Philip Seymour Hoffman. And uh, this movie, I don't know, just how much I like those performances. It just took me back to that. Anyway, glad to see that. Um, I think we covered it. All right, moving on. The Blumhouse horror remake Firestarter, that's of course based on the classic Stephen King novel, that's gonna hit day and date in theaters 
And on Peacock on May 13th. That's right. It's young Drew yeah, Barrymore. Yeah, the, the Drew Barrymore. Yep. Uh, when uh, Back in the 80s. What was that? 82, 83? Something like that. Yeah. Early 80s on the classic Firestarter. So this is a new film. Uh, it's opening on May 13th, both in theaters and on Peacock. That's one week after Doctor Strange 2 hits theaters. So there, it's counter-programming, really. That Nothing else is coming out that weekend because uh, everybody's trying to stay out of Doctor Strange's way. I will say, fingers crossed that they include the Prodigy song, Firestarter. How sick would that be, Lon? I'm the Firestarter. <laughs> I'm the troublemaker. I'm assuming that's named for, that came way after the Stephen King book and film. So I'm assuming it's an homage on the part of Prodigy. Or the guy from sure. Prodigy really can start, really starts fires. Maybe it was a confession. Oh, yeah, he's, no, literally an arsonist. <laughs> he's like, I'm just, like, I am starting fires everywhere in your city. Mostly abandoned warehouses, but not entirely. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. He'll go out started? to drive out to the country, burn starting down an old barn. Starting fires. He's having constant gender reveal parties. Uh, Zach Efron <laughs> and Sidney Lemon are going to co-star in the new version as parents try to keep their, their freaky pyrokinetic daughter out of the hands of a shadowy government agency. So that's look out for that in May. Oh, man. Like, peacock it's, near it's, you. It's... It's. I mean, what a shame that it, that a such a handsome father has to have such a troubled child. That's the real. That's the real tragedy here. It's like, oh, I can't believe this is happening to a handsome father. Per, like the perfect picture storybook family. Is is Zach Efron a daddy or a zaddy at this point? Do we do we have a definitive answer on this? I mean, just a couple of years ago. I mean, how many years ago was Neighbors and Neighbors Two? Like he was a while he was ago. a fresh. Yeah, it's already a while ago. He was that's a fresh a faced college ago. boy. Now he's yeah. in his thirties. He's had plenty of public breakups. He. You know, plastic surgery rumors, all this stuff. He might be, but it's like weird. Zat, there's a long, like, there's a real long buffer of zaddyism because you know Steve Carell, an older gentleman, he's a zaddy. But uh, yeah, I feel like Zac Efron may be too young for. He's only thirty four. I feel like he's he's just a he's just a plain daddy. He's just regular, generic daddy. He has not yet advanced to to zaddy level. I think that's when you cuddle it. That's a great little gray in the beard. You know, it's, it's a little more advanced. Yeah, like he, uh, I might even say like he walks down the street and I see uh, that handsome fellow with like the, you know, those uh, nice lats, arms and pecs. I mean, I might even throw him an eye poppy. Oh, wow, that's good. You're going for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not just anybody gets the eye poppy from, uh, from Mal Rudnick. That's a, that's a oh, th that's the creme de la creme. Yeah, that's the, that's the upper crust. You're the one percent. Uh, Remember, let's. I want to talk a little bit about BuzzFeed Studios. Do you remember when in 2014 BuzzFeed announced BuzzFeed Motion Pictures? They were going to start. No. They were going to start producing feature films. I remember this. They even they had an office on I believe Vine Street in Hollywood, and it used to just say BuzzFeed on it. And then they actually yeah. changed the side to say BuzzFeed Motion Pictures, and it's like, oh, oh, oh. Jack <laughs> Warner has taken an office at BuzzFeed behind a huge desk with a stogie, like. Oh my, BuzzFeed motion pictures. Get John Mr. O'Sells, Nick, we'll see you now. Yeah, really. Like, <laughs> it's just like, oh, we don't, we don't, nobody really says that anymore. It's always struck me as a little like highfalutin. Anyway, that was back right. in 2014. And for the most part, not a lot really ever came of it. There was a show called Follow This that had a short lifespan and they were working huh. on this movie called Brother Orange with Jim Parsons that was about this like viral story about a guy who went, who became very 
famous in China and traveled mm-hmm. to China. And it was this whole long involved viral story that was going to start Jim Parsons. And it just never, the film just never came out. Uh, but last year, BuzzFeed and Complex Networks merged and BuzzFeed and Complex's studio divisions became one division and they've been very productive. We're going to get five BuzzFeed Studios movies to streaming services just this year. The first one, it's called Book of Love. It's a rom-com. It's already up on Amazon Prime. Uh, Sam Claflin stars as a British novelist and his nobody likes his new book, but it goes, it becomes a huge bestseller in Mexico So he goes to Mexico to go on the book tour. He discovers the only reason the book has become popular in Mexico is because the local woman who translated into Spanish rewrote the whole thing. So, you know, at first they hate each other, but then over the course of this Mexican book tour, uh, uh, fill in the rest, romantic comedy. You you get it. To to paraphrase the song, who rewrote the book of love? There you go. You are just <laughs> slinging gold today, man. We feel for again. If you're out there listening to the podcast, like while you're riding your bike, or or, or if you're horseback riding, feel free to applaud. <laughs> yeah, but just listen. We're a hot hand at the joke table today. I'll, I'll run. <laughs> uh, we get four more coming up. Self <laughs> uh, We got the rom com, my fake boyfriend, the esports comedy, one up. Uh, a family comedy set on Juneteenth called Block Party and the supernatural thriller Dear David starring Justin Long. Uh, so that's that, that, a, bunch, a bunch of stuff coming up from, from BuzzFeed. And one thing I think is interesting about what BuzzFeed Studios is doing specifically is obviously they're using BuzzFeed to promote the movies. So if you go to BuzzFeed right now, there's a Book of Love quiz. There's Book of Love reaction posts and gifts everywhere and all that. But they're oh. also looking at BuzzFeed data to even determine what kinds of shows and films to make. Like they decided to make a rom-com because those are the kinds of posts that are getting heat around this time of year on BuzzFeed. So it's like this weird attempt to like parse BuzzFeed data for like what kind of movies should we make? And so, of course, they came up with rom-coms and movies about gamers. Great job. There you go. Thanks, Deep algorithm. the analytics. <laughs> gamers. Uh, All right, let's move on. I sense you don't have a lot to say about BuzzFeed Studios. I I, I was not aware. I I do like uh, some of the stuff that comes out of complex content-wise. Like, I like all the, like, you know, the sneaker news and stuff. (laughs) I was just going to say, I feel like every complex show I watch is a rapper showing you sneakers that you can't afford. Yeah, like... It's like Bravo and his favorite sneakers. (laughs) It's like, well, there you go. And every year I always see, oh, Complex Con happened again. And I'm like, right, oh, yes. it looked like there was a lot of cool stuff happening there. I wish I had went. I agree with you that. I do always have a little bit of FOMO about Complex Con. And I will say uh, Complex makes a show with two chains called Most Expensivest Shit that I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen this? Where every episode no. he just finds, he he picks a different kind of product or, or food item or whatever. And then he finds the most expensive version possible. And he like brings in the creator to like, you know, so it's like the most expensive bong ever and I'm going to smoke it with the guy who made it or like the most expensive what? steak ever. and We're going to have one. You know, it's a it's yes. A yes. That's the kind of thing you want to see two chains, two chains doing. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. All right. Uh, moving on. Fox acquired the character of Gumby along with his pal Pokey the horse, all of their other clay friends from the from the world of Gumby. Uh, and this was still owned by creator Art Cloakey and his son, Joseph Cloakey. So Fox Entertainment bought it from their estate and now owns Gumby. 
The company says they're planning both live action and animated streaming projects featuring the characters. They're also going to put classic Gumby episodes up on Tubi. That's the Fox ad-supported free streaming service. And and this uh, obviously is all independent of the Saturday Night Live sketch with Eddie Murphy saying, I'm Gumby, damn it. I'm Gumby. They don't own... Eddie Murphy's impression of Gumby. They just own the original. Cigar chomping Gumby. I'm very confused about, especially when they say they're going to stream classic Gumby episodes on Tubi. Did did Gumby have his own show? I thought he was a segment on like Howdy Doody and like other shows. I don't recall Gumby having an entire TV. How would you fill 30 minutes of just Right, and... For them to think that all of this Gumby content is going to resonate with people, that might be a real stretch. 40 years of Binge Boys. Thanks for being back. That's a classic moment from 1976. 1976. I'm Gumby, damn it. But I just like, I don't, like, it just... I, I'm guessing it's going to be content for young kids, and they like they don't know better. We'll just put them, they'll think Gumby's new, you know. Like it, maybe their parents will be like, "Oh, put on Gumby, that's safe. I know what that is." And like that, I don't know. I, I don't feel like people have nostalgia for Gumby, but maybe I'm crazy. Yeah, people are not. I don't think people are clamoring for Gumby. No. I mean, like you know, I, you know. I, I mean, I think the Gumby crowd is uh, aged out. Yeah, <laughs> really. Like, it's like you were like, oh. I Remember Gumby? Like you're not watching Tubi. You're you're attached to a tube. Yeah, and I don't even like. <laughs> it's me. I just know, uh, like, like I can just picture the the like Gumby and Pokey, but yeah. I don't know anything they did. They walk into books. Uh, that, 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 remember the theme oh, song? Do they? Yeah, the theme no. song was he started out as a little green slab of clay. Gumby, yes. Let's go see what Gumby can do today. And then the next part goes, he can walk into any book with his little pal Pokey too. So I'm assuming that's what they do is like books open and then they go on adventures by going inside the book. So it's like discover the joy of reading how. That's nice. I think like I think people can like reading is like uh, a lost art. It's fundamental, you might almost say. (laughs) It is. It is. Uh, You know, I'm hooked on phonics. You are. I know that. Uh, Anyway, Gumby, look out for it. Disney Plus announced a whole slate of reality and unscripted programming. So many. We're going to go through them quick. There's a lot of shows to get through. Brie Larson and Jeremy Renner, both of the MCU, both announced shows. She's doing a coming-of-age docuseries. So every episode is going to tell the different story of a young person between the ages of 18 and 22 on a journey of self-discovery or something. Brie Larson will direct one of the episodes that she's producing the entire show. Uh, Jeremy Renner also has a show. It's called, and I, I'm not making this up, Renovations. He's going to do ah. DIY projects, fabricate vehicles, different different kinds of stuff to help out people that he meets. He's traveling around. He's helping people out. He's building stuff. This is the vibe of the series. Only four parts, uh, four part series. Uh, I hope he sings. He's going to help a bunch of people in need start their own failed social network. Yes. Oh, boy. Renner, that's renovations. That, that's... What a title. I feel like they came up with the title first and then back reverse engineered a show. Yep. Yep. Then they then they brought it to uh, uh, Jeremy Renner and he's like, yeah, I'm, I, I, All right. I got time. Hey, that's my sure. name. I'll do it. Mayor, mayor, of, mayor of Kingstown is uh, is on hiatus right now. Let's go. Yeah. 
coming back for season two, but he doesn't have to start right away. I thought Re- it does sound like it's just a home renovation show. Like I was imagining like yeah. he becomes the third property brother and he's just like in there. But no, <laughs> it's a little different. Uh, another show, Pull to Pull. I had a different idea in mind when I first heard that title. But no, it's Will Smith on a 26,000-mile journey from the South to the North Pole. That's a National Geographic series he's working on. Oh, yeah. No, if you're like me, you might have thought it was about a couple of dudes putting their dongs together. (laughs) I was thinking, like, stripper reality show, but no, okay, the dongs thing also. Oh, yeah, I thought it was a couple of dudes having a sword fight, but... uh, Yeah, you know. But that's a whole show starring Will Smith. Will Smith brings different celebrity guests on and then sword fights them. When I pitched when I pitched that to Will Smith, I got I got literally dragged out of his office. Yeah. I, in fairness, your pitch was titled "Dong to Dong," which I don't think is <laughs> as catchy a title. It was, um, <laughs> but it, 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 it was a "Dong to Dong" colon a sword fight between gentlemen. <laughs> and he was like, "This is the worst pitch I've heard since the original Matrix." John Favreau is producing the nature series Lion. That follows a single pride of lion over the course of four years. Uh, Look out for that one from from John Favreau. And James Cameron, uh, he's producing several series. Uh, One is called Supernatural. It's going to be narrated by Benedict Cumberbatch. And that one is about animals with crazy, like, extraordinary survival abilities or tactics or strategies or what have you. Like, remarkable things animals do to survive in the wild. Uh, And then he's Mm -hmm. also producing two separate shows, one about elephants and one about octopi. So a lot lot of stuff coming to Disney Plus from Nat Geo, uh, from some celebrities. That, that was all at the TCAs this week. Disney Plus made all their big TCA announcements. Apple ordered a 10-part series based on the novel Mr. and Mrs. American Pie by Juliet McDaniel. It's set in Palm Beach, Florida, high society in the late 60s, and it's going to star Kristen Wiig as a social climber named Maxine Simmons, uh, who's, like, angling to get into the with the elites in, in Palm Street, almost like a 60s version of the Gilded Age, you might say. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I'm a. Uh, I mean, I love that Kristen Wiig. So uh, th- that sounds like a perfect role for her to be sort of a conniver, uh, a, c- a conniver who's uh, right. A little different from her usual, like kind of more goofy Barb and Star type stuff. Uh, Laura mm-hmm. Dern is going to be producing and will probably show up in a supporting role as well. This is Kristen Wiig's very first uh, Apple show. So. Oh, welcome to the Apple family, Kristen Wiig. I hope they gave her a, a wonderful gift basket to welcome her. Probably. I'm 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 betting you get a you get you get at least a you get at least an iPad in there maybe. Oh yeah, like next level. Some, Air, some AirPods, you know. Like oh that, that's, yeah, that's got to be like a, a great swag bag, like yeah. beyond any the best Harry and David kind yeah, of. Yeah, that, that's got to be a good deal. HBO renewed both Euphoria and How to with John Wilson for third seasons. Very similar shows, like almost sister shows, if you will. The vibe on those two. Tonally, tonally mirroring each other. Yeah. Uh, Euphoria has been a buzzy hit for the network since its debut, but it had a very long, delayed second season, 2.5 years after season one, before we got Ooh, season wee. two. Probably season three will be a, a bit quicker. Uh, it's also been in the news this week because uh, Stars and Daya has been in a war of words with the D.A.R.E. program. You remember... Daring to keep kids off of drugs, that that dare program. You Absolutely, and I, yeah. We had to they're, do this in school. Yeah, they're they're, they're classic uh, kind of uh, uh, 
cursive logo. Yeah, drug. Uh, I yeah. don't remember reinforcement education. Get the fuck out of shit. It, it was weird. It, years later, I went back and reflected on it. One of the big things that Dare used to do when they would present at your school would be to show you what all of the different drugs and drug paraphernalia looked like. Do you remember this? You would have like a video, and it'd be like, "This is what crack looks like," and this is what they were very. I'm dating myself, but. When I sure. was a kid, they were very, very worried we were going to get into crack. Like, crack oh, yeah. was the, if you picture, like, the way people talk about, like, fentanyl and the opioid crisis, but even more in the 80s. It was like, every kid is going to get on crack. And we got to, so they would, like, show you crack. And, like, here's how they smoke crack. And here's how the pipe goes. And it's like, why? I still don't understand. Like, what was the idea that somebody was going to offer me crack, but I didn't know what it was look, what it looked like. So I was going to accidentally do crack. Was that the idea? Yeah, it's like if you see the oh, that's the bad thing. Yeah, like you might just think you're smoking some other white cocaine rock, and you wouldn't yeah, know. you might just think you're freebasing regular cocaine. What innocent thing are you mixed up that you don't? I don't. Anyway, I, it was. It's just a weird. I don't think they really know. I think that the what we learned from Dare is that adults really don't have any idea how to get a kid to say no to drugs. And we're just the flailing. war on drugs is is an unwinnable, endless war. Long. Yeah, I think it's just we just we just come up with stuff and we're like, that sounds good. Like, just say no. Yeah, that sounds good. That that'll probably work. It's like what what, oh, the, what evidence is there that this works? Anyway, so Dare, a representative of Dare, was speaking with TMZ last week and said that they felt that euphoria glamorizes teen sex and drug use. And most of us are like, those things are already glamorous. A TV show doesn't need to glamorize them any further. But Zendaya Zendaya was saying, no, it's not about that. If the show was not realistic in its depiction, it wouldn't, people wouldn't relate to it. It wouldn't have any value as art. So it has to be realistic. It has to show these things as they really are. It's not trying to glamorize them. Yeah, it's it's, it's sort of an offshoot of the, do the video games cause the violence debate? Or do the movies, do the gangster movies, do the shoot-em-ups cause the violence? And it's like, you know, if you're, if, if you're parenting, or if you're parented in a way that lets you run wild or run rampant or you don't have it or you're um, like morally bankrupt or you don't have wow. the guidance. Strong words from Hal Rudnick. Parents, yeah, get, your, yeah. get your act together. Yeah, parents, step your game up. Uh, <laughs> that was parenting advice from uh, a middle-aged man with no children. Parenting advice from yeah. the middle-aged man with no children. Thank you, Hal, for sharing that parenting advice with us. Last story. Oh, I, I also want to mention How To first debuted in October 2020. It has since developed a sort of cult following. Uh, no yeah. word yet on when that's going to debut, but we're getting that back for a season three as well. Hopefully, further adventures of John Wilson and his and his elderly former landlord. Uh, yes. Last news story: When Spider Man No Way Home hits streaming in a few months, it's not going to go directly to Disney Plus. It will be on Stars first because of Whoa. Sony's pre-existing licensing deal. So this is we're getting a sneak preview of a of a internet meltdown to come when people oh, realize yeah. they cannot stream Spider Man on Disney Plus. It is only going to be at first on stars. This movie made millions. Billions. $1.7 billion. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. marching towards $2 billion. People are going to want to watch this again because they loved it. Are you? I don't think so. I think this is a one and this is a one and done kind of movie. That's it. 
Seen it. I get it. I don't need to learn every line of dialogue. Respectfully disagree. <laughs> I don't need to cosplay as every single one of these characters. We're through here. Oh, Man, and then the, seeing those uh, the the old fellas uh, play those villains again, that was just delicious. They're good. People are going to be beside themselves when they're not going to be able to watch it on Disney Plus. They're going to take to the streets. They're going to take to the streets. Yeah, the, the, yeah, I, I agree. The, the seas boil and the skies fell. The the moon became. Oh. This. Black as night and the sea is red as blood. I don't remember that. You know the line from Ghostbusters I'm talking about. Yes, Judgment. yes. Dogs Judgment. and cats living together. No, that's different. I, there's a scene where uh, <laughs> Ray and Winston are driving across the bridge and they're in the car. And then Winston is, starts quoting the Bible, the book of Revelation. And they're talking about how it's Judgment Day. And then oh, yeah. I, this, I'm going to give you folks a little aside. This upset me because uh, I recently watched Ghostbusters Afterlife, which just generally upset me. But there's, there's a scene in that <laughs> movie where Egon apparently wrote that whole quote out in spray paint on his farm. But that he wasn't there for that scene. He's not in the car with Ray and Winston. He wouldn't oh. even know they quoted that that Bible quote. Oh, come on! Oh. Got to get the lore right, folks. Anyway, I'm gonna take to the streets now. Now that's what upset. That's my no way home going to stars. <laughs> Afterlife not getting Ghostbusters references right. So it'll land on stars and then it'll pop up six right. months later on it's Disney. One of, exactly. It'll be one of these. It'll have a run on stars first. Stars is gonna get the first exclusive. Now. Bear in mind, this is in addition to, it'll pop up on VOD. So you'll be able to buy or rent it on Prime or Apple or whatever service you use to rent or purchase VOD sure. movies. It's just on a streaming service, it will go to Stars first. It'll have probably six months, a six month window on Stars, and then it will probably move to Disney Plus. All right. Sorry, folks. It's just yeah. how it goes. That's it for the news, Hal. That's, that's all I got. All right, that's more than enough. Coming up, we're going to talk about an Oscar-nominated film that just dropped on Hulu, Nightmare Alley. Juan Guillermo del Toro, his latest effort is now available to stream. Nightmare Alley is on Hulu. And HBO and Max. We should mention it's on both. It's on Hulu and HBO Max. Whichever you prefer, take your pick, folks. It's on either one. I watched it on Hulu, so if you want to be like me, folks, watch As is it on your Hulu. Want. Yeah, that's it's perfectly acceptable. That's because of it's a Fox film. So before the Fox Disney merger, there were a lot of pre-existing distribution deals for Fox movies, including this arrangement with HBO Max. So some Fox films are going to go just to a Disney platform, either Hulu or Disney Plus. Some Fox films will get split between Hulu and Disney Plus, and then HBO Max as well. So this is one of those. So I, I enjoyed this film. I didn't love it. I thought it was a little overlong. It was beautiful to look at. It was, uh, there's lush, moody cinematography. Um, uh, you know, it, it, I, th I feel like Del Toro uh, really created a vision of the 1940s here. I would like to watch the original Tyrone Power Oh, uh, Nightmare Alley, and it's different in some interesting ways. I, I, I definitely oh. would recommend if you if you liked or were interested in this film to go back and watch the '50s Tyrone Power one, or '40s. It might be late '40s. Uh, I, yeah, I, I liked it. I didn't love it. I don't know if I I don't feel like it's an Oscar winning film. Uh, 
But it, it, it's funny. All the pieces were there, but it just didn't quite add up to me to just like suck me in and have me living and dying with every moment with uh, the characters, uh, like motivations and what was uh, what was driving them and all of the, you know, wonderful, like, you know, side characters. Uh, I felt like we didn't get enough of like, oh, what's lurking beneath the surface or what is driving these characters as opposed to, oh, um, uh, uh, you have Bradley Cooper and he's motivated by like, you know, the money, power and prestige of what he's doing. But yeah, I did. I found myself not caring as much as I should a little bit. Not that I didn't like it. Not that it was bad. Uh, yeah, I, I mostly agree. I mean, I definitely agree. It looks great. The designs, like the cinematography is awesome. With, you know, it's it, it beautifully sort of realized and it looks like it doesn't even really look like an old film. It just looks like like in a in a dream world, like it almost is. There's a it surreality. Does. There's a surreality to it. It's really beautiful. Uh, use of color is as outstanding as always with Del Toro and the production design. Like especially the carnival. The first half is set in a carnival. The second half mm-hmm. is sort of he's moved to Chicago and you're in like high society Chicago. Uh, but that first half where you're in the carnival is just beautiful. It looks a little bit like that HBO show Carnivale, but a much bigger and more expansive kind of vision version of that. Uh, yeah, looks, a little bit of Dumbo in there. Yeah, and it looks really great. Um, I think there's two chief problems I had with the movie. The first one is Bradley Cooper is like ridiculously too old for this part. Like he's he's twice or even three times the age of the character he's playing. Like especially in the opening mm-hmm. in the novel, which I have not read, but I, I read about it in the novel. Stan, in the early part of the story, when he's at the carnival, is in his early 20s. Tyrone Power in the 40s movie, it's 1947, I looked it up. Tyrone Power is in his early 30s. So it's already a little weird, but all right, they make it work. Bradley Cooper's 47 goddamn years old. So you can't have a 47-year-old man. He's a good actor. He's doing fine. It's not a performance issue. He just doesn't look right. It's a coming of age. That, That whole section of the movie is him as a young, impressionable guy learning a trade, getting the learning the ropes of this world. He takes on uh, David Strathairn, plays sort of a mentor who teaches him how to be a mentalist. And mm-hmm. that stuff, the material is all really good. And it's the actors are doing a good job, but it just doesn't visually make sense. Like, especially his relationship with Tony Collette, as written, it's like she's a much older woman who's like showing him the ropes and seducing him. But it doesn't play because he's Bradley Cooper. They're the same age in this movie. Yeah, it's like finally an age-appropriate couple. Yeah, right. In a movie it's like, for a moment. There's a part where David Chazelle is like, "Hey, you, young buck, come help me with that." It's like nobody calls a 47-year-old man young buck. I haven't been called young buck in a decade. Maybe I'm uh, mismer- misremembering, but uh, like, uh, if I feel like Willem Dafoe is like addressing him as like, hey, kid, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, a, a lot of people call him kid. Or they're like, hey, that's heavy. Why don't you carry that over there? It's like, he's older than you. This is ridiculous. Uh, so it's just, it's like one of those cases where I'm sure Del Toro and Bradley Cooper get along and are friends and wanted to make this together. And he was like, ah, it's a movie. We can fudge it and make it make sense. And it just, it's too, it's too far. He can't make it work. It really took me out of the movie. The other problem I think is... Kind of like what you said, in the second half, I feel like it all just kind of gets away from him. He gets so caught up in 
the heist or the the sort of scam that they're pulling and the Richard yes. Jenkins character and his whole world that you kind of mm-hmm. just don't get enough of the core dynamic of like what is Bradley Cooper doing and what is his motivation and the nature of his relationship with Kate Blanchett it just doesn't feel fleshed out enough to be compelling. Yeah, Rooney Mara is just there. Like, she's exactly. just, like, such a feckless character. And then Richard Jenkins, like, th- so underused here. There was something so ominous. I really liked that character. I wanted to know more about why is he such a scary guy? What does he do? What is, uh, like, it was, they set up something really fascinating. Um, but that being said, it's like the components are there. It should, by all intents and purposes, be, like, just click. It doesn't quite. But then, I'll tell you what, I'm not going to spoil a blessed thing. I really loved the ending. The yeah, ending, it's a, like, it's a great, it's a great noir, like go for broke, like devastating end. And I, I always like that. Like you can always, count yeah. On, we don't, we don't have balls like this in storytelling today, where it's just like mm-hmm. leave the characters at their lowest. You know, like, like it's a real, it's a real kick yeah. in the teeth at the end. And that's that's a lot of. Yeah, I, I found myself thinking about it several times since, and that's a good thing for a movie when you think about it after you saw yeah. the damn. Also, thing. Uh, they a, a brilliant casting choice to bring in Tim Blake Nelson as the guy. He's only yes. in one scene, the last scene, and it's a perfect choice. Yep. Oh, very nicely done. He's uh, um, as as uh, you know from uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Uh, he's got uh, he can do old timey. He could do old timey. Yeah, he's got an old timey <laughs> vibe. Anyway, uh, it just works really well. Like as soon as I saw him, because I know the story from the old movie. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I saw him and I knew what scene we were in, it was like, oh, that's that's brilliant. That's a perfect choice. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, absolutely worth watching, but uh, yeah, it's like, I'm like, man, wh- like I was asking myself at the end, that movie should have been just that much better, and it didn't quite, uh, yeah, th- just, I think the script could have been, we, we, we could have gotten into the characters' motivations and into their, like, what drove them that much more. Kate Blanchett is good as a kind of like the a classic uh, you know, 1940s femme fatale kind of uh kind of role. And uh yeah, th- but uh uh worth watching, I would say. And uh apparently you can watch it on multiple platforms, Hulu and HBO Max. Nightmare Hulu Alley. And HBO Max right now. There you go. Next up, Oh, uh, don't try looking for Tom Cruise in the new Reacher. We've got a new Reacher playing Jack Reacher on Amazon. Jack Reacher uh, from the Lee Childs uh, book series. And this is in particular uh, from a Jack Reacher novel called The Killing Floor. The first Jack Reacher novel. This is where the world met Jack Reacher, Margrave, Georgia. Where it all began. Jack Reacher is a big galoot with a shadowy past. And he's, uh, I, I saw someone, was it you or, or some, because I know you've been tweeting about uh, Jack Reacher. Oh, sure. Some, a lot yeah. about Reacher. Uh, a lot of Reacher tweets. Someone described him, uh, you know, I'll, I'll borrow someone else's words here, uh, as uh, Sherlock Holmes meets the Incredible Hulk. Yes, uh, that was not me, but it's a very, it's good. It's an apt description. I read somebody else say he's like a tyrannosaur wearing a human suit. <laughs> That's how Alan Richson moves through. And I love that the concept of this show, I can't speak to the Jack Reacher novels. I have not read them. Me neither. The concept of this show is very clearly, what if huge man smart? Like, that's it. 
It's just, he's this huge guy. He's a big yeah. fucking dude. He looks incredibly tough and menacing, but he's also, he's a very clever. He's a detective. He's he's going to mm-hmm. he's gonna notice things about you that you didn't even know you were putting out there into the world. He's very perceptive, this Jack Reacher. And not just clever, he's got one of those beautiful minds where, like, he can, like, look at you, smell you, and, like, tell you, like, not what you ate for breakfast, where you grew up. Well, that's where the shirt, it, it is, it's clearly Sherlock Holmes. Like, he does the same thing yeah. as Sherlock Holmes where he can, like, look at your outfit and smell you and be like, ooh, you smoked this kind of cigar this morning and you had this for breakfast and you've got a mother who's named this, you know. Uh, by the way, that's the, that's kind of similar to the techniques of mentalism that uh, Bradley Cooper's character was using. It's like, oh, I see this, this, and this, and I added it up, but for for deceitful purposes, as opposed to uh, to solve a crime yeah. or doing detective work. What I love about, work. about Reacher is they hit, like, they don't just hit the clever beat over and over again. They hit the bit, every scene, at least one character has to, like, reference the fact that he's really large. And, like, we can, yeah. of course, we can also see that he's, they just cast a very large man. So they're doing, like, and they shoot him, too, in a way. They, like, emphasize it even in the cinematography. Like, it's always low angles or his just head comes into the frame towering over everybody else. It's hilarious yeah. how much the show is about this guy's big, folks. Big, big guy. Yeah, yeah. So, like, a lot of characters are like, it's hard to miss a giant walking through town, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> and it's got that going on, but it's also one of those shows where uh, a bunch of people just always are stepping to him. Like, he's constantly having to, to uh, you know, like, quell violence before it happens. And it's just like, oh, would, would that many people really be trying to step to Jack Reed? I feel like immediately you'd be like, I don't want to mess with this guy. Yeah, like enormous. this guy's too big to fail. I do not want to. <laughs> yeah, I do exactly. not want to tangle. But every like every third seat is like, "What'd you say to me?" And he's got to like, "Hey, I don't want any trouble. I'm gonna smack you around, and you don't want that." You know, like it's constantly. He's almost in a fight. Yeah, um, there are several. <laughs> this is like uh, this is silly, but there are, there are several flashbacks as we're learning about his childhood <laughs> and his, his brother and stuff. His mom just called him Reacher. Yeah, his mom just called him Reacher, and <laughs> we we see that like he was he was mixing it up, trying to get on the be on the right side of moral uh, conundrums as a kid. Right. But I I. I Every time we do that, we cut away before the fight. I want to see the kids fight. It's got almost, it's like those those Fast 9 flashbacks to like young Dom. It's got that oh, yeah. sort of energy of like the tough guy as a youth. Portrait of the brawler as a young man. It's an enjoyable show. I, I feel like it kind of falls right in between um, like prestige TV and guilty pleasure. It's like oh, I don't think it's even. I think it's pure. This is pure guilty pleasure. I don't. I don't really think it's doing. It reminds me of like eighties uh, eighties action type. It's the kind of show MacGruber is making fun of, like the yeah. Fall Guy and MacGyver Magnum and PI. the A Team Magnum PI. Exactly, Renegade. Even like it's it's totally got that energy. And but like yeah. 
un, unashamedly. Like it's just, it just has that energy and it's just doing it. And, and as that, I found it very entertaining. Yeah. I think it's, it's well done and hard boiled. Um, yeah. You got like this, you know, Southern town and like the tropes of like a Southern town with like, you know, um, some police yeah. who are on the take, some police who are virtuous and. It absolutely feels like a 1991 USA network original. Like, that's what I'm like, oh, I get what this is. Okay. Throw a little bit of walking tall in yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I love that you mentioned Renegade with Lorenzo Lamas. <laughs> Lorenzo Lamas, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, like, if you know what you're getting into, I think, you know, this is going to, maybe this sounds silly, but I felt like the, ep- one thing, like a criticism, I felt like the episodes were a little bit long and it could have been a little bit more bombastic. I feel like, ooh, we get some fights, but I wouldn't have minded seeing more. Also, uh, I st- I've watched three episodes. I still don't get why he came to Margrave. The, the, I get the, it. The sort blues, of his favorite blue. The he I was in a bar and he and he, but he then heard the jukebox and and everything. Well, no, I'm not going to give anything away. As far as we away. know, early in the show, that's a coincidence. As far as we know, as far as we know, I mean, I, don't I haven't know. seen it's, the end yet, so I don't. Maybe it is old. I don't want Killing Floor fans to be like it's not a coincidence. But it seems yeah. like it's a coincidence. The motivation scene, I'm like, okay, I guess I'll buy it because this guy marches to his own He's beat a here. hobo, Hal, not a vagrant. Just please get it right. Yes. Got, yes. Uh, um, and you, if you're solving crimes, you need to be precise, as we learn as Jack is talking to well, uh, Details the are important, folks. Details Listen. are important. Uh, but yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a fun show. And, I, and apparently... You know, again, I haven't read the novels, uh, just as Lon said, but uh, people are saying this is a lot truer to the books than uh, the Tom Cruise version, because obviously Tom Cruise, a diminutive gentleman. I think they should have still just done the Tom Cruise version as if he was huge. Like, everybody should just be like calling him big and just shoot it from like behind his head over the top. So it looks like (laughs) I I don't know why they didn't just go for it, because it does seem like I feel like. Christopher McQuarrie, who made the first, he he does the Mission Impossible films with Cruz now. He and Cruz did the first Jack Reacher. They did the first Jack Reacher together. And I feel like ah. their, their bit was they were trying to, like, class this up. They were like, this is the bones of a good story, but we're going to make it, like, cool and contemporary feeling. And, like, we're going to, like, flesh it out and make it, like, a film, fil- a cool film series. And, uh, and Amazon is just like, no, no, no. Just these books yeah. are this is airport reading. This is beach reading. This is trash. And we're just going to like go for it. And and it works. Yeah, that was one of my fir- uh, first uh, times. Uh, oh, like one of the first times uh, I remember seeing Werner Herzog in an acting performance uh, in, in that. And also one of the first times I remember seeing Rosamund Pike uh, from the, uh, uh, oh, the uh, Tom no. Cruise Jack she goes Reacher. Back, she goes back. To the 90s. She was in Die Another Day. How dare you? I, I said what I said. Oh, <laughs> I'm, de- I'm, I'm deeply offended. Reacher on Amazon. Uh, th- there you have it. If you want a little... Miranda Frost. A little hard, hard-boiled hard uh, uh, drifter solving crimes and getting in scrapes. There, there it is. There it is. Reacher. Reach for it on Amazon. Uh Finally, we uh, uh, sp- speaking of uh, a, a, a guy who's on the move and uh, getting in trouble. Oh boy, this Tinder swindler! Yeah, 
He's in the news this week. Did you see T- Tinder just banned him? He's been banned from every social network now. Oh, you know what? It's about damn time. Uh, the Tilda Swintonler. The the Tilda the Tilda Swint Swintonler. Yeah, uh, the Tilda Swintonler. Is this is a docu uh, documentary on Netflix and uh, from the same people who brought you Don't F With Cats, Don't Fuck With Cats. Yes, it's the directorial debut of the producer of Don't F With Cats, that is correct. And uh, it's about a international playboy ladies man who's on Tinder and he is just flossing and showing off all the bling and all private planes fancy Lamborghinis, Rolls Royces, etc., and just wowing these women. And it turns out it, he's not what he's cracked up to be, folks. Uh, you know, I found this to be a compelling documentary. And like, he, like the guy has got a wild, uh, unfortunate game going. You feel bad for these women who wanted to just like give themselves over to the fantasy here and then got taken for a ride financially. But um I, I felt like the scope of this was sl- slightly limiting because they only we only hear from two two of his victims. Three. I wish we could have women. heard three total three women. Yes, I, I wish it could have been a little larger in scope because it takes this big story and it makes it a little bit smaller. Uh, but uh, yeah, th- that being said, I you know I, I found this to be just um, an enjoyable cautionary tale. Like yeah. you you uh, like you feel bad for these women, but it's also oh wow, like uh, what are you doing? Really, you did that? It's it's kind of like you're face palming. The documentary discusses this that in the wake of these women telling their story, there was a big newspaper article that sort of announced who this guy was and that he was the scammer. And and a lot of people's reaction was to victim blame and like, oh, well, they, you know, they they were greedy or they they were gold mm-hmm. diggers. Or they had, you know, they saw dollar signs when they met this guy and then they they didn't take it seriously. The, you know, think about it pragmatically or whatever. I'm not here to victim blame. Nobody's saying it's their fault. Obviously, this is a bad guy and a criminal and he took advantage of them and he played on psychological stuff we all have. It's just a confidence game. They call it a confidence game, not because you put your confidence in me, the scammer, but because I pretend to put my confidence in you. I do that first. I establish trust by making you feel like I'm doing a lot of stuff for you. And then we all have that feeling of reciprocity. So if I do you a bunch Mm -hmm. of favors, you have a natural, unless you're a psychopath or a sociopath or something, most people have a natural psychological impulse to when somebody does a lot of stuff for them, oh, I have to reciprocate. I have to do something nice for this person to maintain this this relationship and the balance in it. And that's what con artists play on. So this guy was whining and dining these women, giving them money, giving them gifts, taking them on these trips, making them feel indebted to him so that then when he turns around and says, hey, I need money, I'm desperate, I'm in trouble, they're like, oh, of course, I have to help him. He's, he's done so much for me. So I want to get that out of the way. That I'm not, I'm not, I understand why people would fall for this. I'm not blaming them. Having said that, one thing that is very funny and interesting about this movie is these women tell their story in in this incredibly like careful way where they're trying not to say what we all know is true, which is I fell for this guy right away because he was so fucking rich and powerful. And like, I'm not 
I'm not blaming them. I would do anybody would anybody would do it. It's it's a totally understandable thing that if mm-hmm. someone fairy tale style swept you off your feet and they were like a prince and showering you with money and gifts, you would go with it. I just wish it's like it's so weird that they're just not they don't feel like they can just say that. They have to be like, oh, and he was he was he was such a good listener, and I felt this immediate emotional connection to him. And it was just like it's like yeah, he flew you to Bulgaria on his jet and gave you caviar. We all get it. We all, we all. Yeah. And almost like you can't really follow the story because it's being told to you in this way that is kind of, uh, I don't know. It feels, it feels like they're trying to make it sound extra super innocent. And it's like, I know it. Just, just tell us what happened. You don't have to sugarcoat it. Yeah, like th- this guy purported to be a billionaire son of a diamond magnate. Right. And like, of course you'd want to date it. Like, of course you don't have to. Like that, that, that this poor, I think she's Norwegian, this poor woman. Yeah. And she just, you could tell that she's so, she's hurt. She's been criticized for so many years and she knows that people think that she's, you know, just materialistic. It was just out to... Uh, and, and I just, I don't know. That's what made me feel bad for her, is that she didn't feel like she could just go, yeah, I mean, I was blown away by how rich this guy was and I wanted to get to know him better and be his girlfriend. Like, the, the film is particularly satisfying uh, in the third act when uh, one of the women gets a little bit of revenge. That's like, that. that's a fun element to see. And Yeah, uh, I mean, it, sure, it is. And I'm glad she got some of her money back, but it doesn't, there's also the, well, he scammed all the money for those clothes from other women who are not getting Yes. She's not getting her money back from him. She's she's True. siphoning off some of his ill-gotten gains for herself. Because it was a pyramid scheme. I mean, there's one of the investigators says that. The, the fraud oh, was yeah. basically, he was just, you know, paying, he was just like, he would find the next woman and start bilking money from her to pay, you know, the next woman. So, like... It was just always, there was always another woman that he was spending money on to convince her to pay for his lifestyle. And then it was just yeah. the next woman and the next woman. And then eventually he hit the wall and ran out of women and became famous and he can't meet people on Tinder anymore. Exactly. And yeah, like I said, I, I wish we got a, just a little bit more detail about him and about his cohorts. He is like kind of this like rogues gallery that he travels around with like these two dudes and a giant henchman. Like those were like the delicious characters that I want to just unpack and like, oh, who the hell is like, what is their real story? How did their plan? So may, maybe there'll be a Tinder swindler part two. Well, uh, to to what you're saying, uh, we, we, we could close on this note. Uh, I, I, I was curious about I don't feel like, as presented, the financials of his scam make sense to me. Like, yeah. I, how much money could he really steal? Because he's not, he's not scamming fabulously wealthy women. Like, he's scamming mm-hmm. relatively, no, like professional women who have some money. He's not scamming broke people, but he's scamming mm-hmm. people with regular jobs and regular lives, not billion, not other billionaires or whatever. So how much could you really scam? Like one of the women says she gave him about $250,000. And another one, I think it's way less than that. It's more like $30,000 or Mm $40,000. But he's spending like, it looks like tens of thousands of dollars a day. I mean, private, private, private jet travel, renting luxury cars, staying in the finest hotels in major European cities. Yep. like bottle service everywhere in like the most exclusive clubs. Taking huge groups of people mm-hmm. to these steakhouses and just treating everybody. And like, 
I feel like he would have to have so many scams going at a time in order to pay yeah. for all this. Like, I don't know how the mechanics of it. I would have loved to hear more about that. Like, it just yeah. it doesn't feel like this as a business strategy would work. I don't know how he's balancing the workload. I didn't find this quite as compelling as don't F with cats. Don't F with cats if you haven't seen it. It's it's a little hard to watch because it's brutal to animals. But um, damn, the twists and turns. Yeah. And in that, that is about that's about like a a word like this. He's a this guy's a terrible guy, but he's also like yeah. it's just a con. It's not it's not deeply troubling in the way that don't F with cats is where there's violence. Yeah, as far as we don't know, he, he doesn't have a body count of murders. Right, he's not killing people. He's just he's just pretending to be rich and then convincing women to give him all of their money. And sign up, that don't ever sign up for a credit card for some guy you've only known for a few months under your name. Just like, I don't care what he tells you. There's never a good reason to do that, folks. Damn good advice from Lon Harris, folks. <laughs> just don't. Also, there's, a one, there's one time where he's like, we were on our first date and he was like, send me your passport and I'll sign you up. And she was like, like what, what? On a first date? It's like, yep. gee, that's, that's, <laughs> that's very fast. I, I, don't even, I don't even go in for a kiss until the end of the first date. This guy's hitting up passport information. Blinded by dollar signs. Jeez. The Tinder Swindler, it's uh, there for you now on Netflix. And that takes us to the end of uh, this week's uh, Binge Boys uh, listening program. Thank you to uh, everybody in Owl Nation. Binge Boys listening program, yeah. Yes, uh, Al Nation, Hoot Hoot, and where Michael Hooligan's at, Starburns Audio, thank you for having us. Uh, producer Travis, Travis Reeves, thank you. I saw on Twitter, there's a hotel near Travis's home, and apparently people who are staying in the hotel can look out their windows down into his backyard and watch him doing yoga. That seems like very <laughs> upsetting. Travis, not happy about this, and I don't blame him at all. Yeah, no, we want a little privacy when we're yeah, doing that's, yoga. Yeah, don't, don't watch me doing my yoga from your hotel yeah, room, get, creep. Keep, keep your eyes on your own paper, creep. Disgusting. Uh, Jason K., thank you for our opening music. Lon Harris, uh, the floor is yours. Oh, well, find me on Twitter. That's at L-O-N-S. That's the best place to keep up with everything that I am tweeting. Uh, and maybe I'll retweet somebody complaining about people in a hotel spying on them as they do their yoga moves. Uh, you can also sign up for the Inside Streaming newsletter. I covered all of this in the newsletter this week. So if you're just hearing about it now, that's your bad. Inside.com slash streaming. It's free. It's five days a week. Check it out. And uh, you can holler at me, at Hal Rudnick, on Twitter and Instagram. That's that's where you can find me, folks. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bitch, boys! Bitch, boys!